Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. so much. I have a treat today. I had the best long meandering conversation with Jody Collins today. Jody was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he has always lived there. And he graduated from Fulton High School, where he worked with graphic arts and printing in the print shop. One of the reasons I do believe is because it allowed him to get his hands on one of the two computers in the school. And he, working in the print shop, enabled him to work with computers. And he moved through that quickly and knew that was his future. So you'll hear a lot about that. And his teacher, who has the perfect name of Mr. Miracle. So Jody is a thinker. He's a giver. He's a doer. Um, He gives back for sure. And he's not cookie cutter. You'll hear because at one point when Jody is telling me that because he is quite tall, he hands out a certain card and I don't say right then what it says, but here's what it says. Yes. In giant block letters. I am tall. You're very observant for noticing six foot, seven inches. Yes. Really? Even flat footed. Yes. I used to play basketball, football, giraffe in school plays. The weather is indeed perfect up here. I'm so glad we had this conversation. So that just gives you a little sort of touch into his gentle and delightful humor. Jody had a lot of jobs, as many of us do, and the education he was getting, marketing, branding, public relations, advertising, social media strategy, among suits, among many other facets that he got from print shops, newspapers, magazines, charities, small businesses, large international corporations, and serving on 30 plus nonprofit boards and advisory committees. As I mentioned, Jody's a thinker, but also extremely obviously creative. He's an accomplished and published photographer, videographer, and a writer. And he's a big reader and a big movie watcher as well. Jody is the proud owner now of the graphic design, illustration, and social media consultation company called Feral 
Giant. And Feral Giant is a collective brand. It's got developers, designers, illustrators, photographers, videographers, everything, writers, all of the things. And it's very cool because Jody brings his 25 plus years of experience in most of the above to this amazing company and the work they can provide in so many different ways to so many different people. So for me, it's another look at where creativity can take you, how it can keep life really interesting and how it can make friends out of strangers. So Jody, I'm, I'm really glad to call you friend. And here is an interesting chat between myself and Jody. So the creative path inquiring minds want to know who is this Jody Collins? I'm still trying to figure that out. It's 43 years later and I'm still trying to figure that out. There you go. It, it's uh, it's interesting because I go and talk to schools a yeah. lot uh, and I go back to like my old high school and talk to the kids and uh, I always start out with, now this is going to sound weird to y'all, but when I was here, there were only two computers in the entire school. Mm-hmm. One was in print shop, one was in drafting. And it was a very, it's interesting if you're from here and somebody says, where'd you go to high school? I say Fulton. They all go, oof. It was <laughs> extremely rough. Like saw a gun on my first day of high school. Wow. Fights every day. Cops up there all the time. And is that like, in Knoxville? Fulton? Yep. Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. But it, we figured out at our 20th high school reunion that three quarters of our graduating class were dead in jail or had done prison time. Did you say three quarters? Three quarters. Wow. That's, that's a, it, that's an impressive number. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah. So it was a very rough high school. Yeah. And, uh, we, you took the artful way out. Well, I got out. That's the funny part is going back and talking to those kids. Cause I grew up super poor mm-hmm. and talking to the kids. I was like, I know what I look like. I'm from here. I can hang with y'all. Yeah. It was actually rough when I went up here to high school. Y'all got it easy. You pansies. <laughs> but they must really, you know, I've done a lot of that speaking to uh, students about, you know, maybe things they haven't thought about yet. And, yeah. and I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's what, when I go and talk to them, uh, the big crux of my talk is that you can make a living making art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the rules have changed. Like now with like Instagram and everything, you don't have to be some rich kid to make it. No, like you, you don't. Like talent trumps all, always. It's really true. Talent and chutzpah and bravery and yeah, just doing it, I think. Uh, and uh, having a little bit of uh, stubbornness and mm-hmm. tenac- tenacity, I think is really huge goes a long but, way but yeah it's really weird like when i went to school uh, i was on our city's business advisory council and we had a we had a what is he he's like a liaison between the police and the the c- civilians and he was like oh yeah and in the 90s when the miami gangs came up to knoxville i was like oh so that was true i wasn't making that up he's like no and i was like there was a guy on our football team that in september wore big puffy coat because he was cold. He was from Miami. Oh, oh <laughs> got it. So yeah, but it's, but I was very lucky in that we had a print shop and my instructor Conley Miracle. Oh, wow. A, what a great name. <laughs> Conley Miracle and my art teacher, uh, Miss Waller. Mm-hmm. I don't know her first name. 
<laughs> just Miss Waller. But she was a good one. She was good. By the time I graduated, I was in like art six, even yeah. though it, that was a big thing growing up. All my friends were very talented. And mm -hmm. I even feel that now, like when I do Inktober, mm -hmm, I kind of gave mm -hmm. up halfway through because I was looking at my friends. I was like, all right, y'all are doing this all digitally and you, you suck. Like you're so good that I had no, why are you doing, you're killing me, man. And I saw your post about the thing in December and I was like, yes, I'm going to do it in December. I'm going to make yeah. up for my lack of effort. Yeah. It, and what we're talking about is Nulzi just uh, create, she's doing a draw sember and it's a repost from another artist who I'm sorry, I can't think of their name right now, but the prompts are, they just look so great. I thought, yeah. oh, maybe I'll do that. So we'll, yeah. we'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, I got very lucky. And then when it came to going to college, I did get recruited for like football and stuff to go to Purdue wow. or Lenore Ryan. But it was, I had to pay my first year or two. I would have oh. had to been a walk on oh. and uh, didn't not going to do that. Lenore Ryan in North Carolina was like $28,000 a year. Yeah. I was like, I'm not a good enough student to get any scholarships. Right. Then so, you have to, then you have to make the football team and right, do right. the reason why you're there. What position? I just have to know. Uh, offensive, defensive tackle, probably more known for it. So I am a uh, fun fact about me and we've made it five minutes without me mentioning this. I am, I am six foot seven. Oh my I'm gosh. A, <laughs> I'm a large man. I love I'm that. A, yeah. So much so that I have cards. Well, and it's out in the five or six years I've had those cards I've given out. I think I'm up to four to 500. That's how oh often I get. Oh my asked. gosh. Yeah. I think really people should have more original thoughts in their heads. <laughs> but I always think I always love that people act like it's the first time I've ever been asked about. It. And there's sometimes <laughs> I feel like a real jerk for handing them a card. But I'm like, no, you asked the question. Yes, I am tall. Thank you. Here are the rest of the details. I know <laughs> my little known fact is I was going to be the first and my, my listeners are being, are going to be like, what is going to be the first NCAA female football coach. I was so massively involved in football in college. I, I went to UC Davis was an, which was a non-scholarship school with a fantastic coach. And I just, I, I loved it. I grade, yeah. it, I was involved in high school too. So I graded films yes. and I, and I um, took pictures and all sorts of things. And I worked for the 49ers for a while. And, wow. and uh, it was of, it was in the day though, when I said, you know, I'd really like to do this full time. I'm leaving out a lot of the story, but I said, you know, I want to recruit because I, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, well, if you'd really like to work for us, you could put on a short skirt and sell boxes at Candlestick Park, you know, like, and I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> talking no. to the wrong person. No. No. <laughs> they, they literally said that. So I had to, you know, when, when the people that I could work with went, you know, went other places, so did I, but it was really wow. fun. Well, since you like football, you'll like this stat. So when I was a sophomore, our defensive line was two tackles and a nose tackle. The nose tackle was five foot four, 155 pounds, something like that. <laughs> Tiny guy, but was could, could squat like 450. Wow. Like Josh. Wow. And then on the other side of the line was Date Big D, Damien Goins. Yeah. And he was five foot seven, weighed 350, 375. Five. Wow. And That's... then you had me at like six. At that point, as a sophomore, I was like six, four, six, five, wow. and probably weighed 250, 265. That was our defensive line. Oh my so we, gosh. We played one game 
I still love this against Halls, and D got all the tackles because they saw me and were yeah. like, nope, and they all ran his way. <laughs> and he was I just kept a wall. Getting, and I kept getting yelled at by the refs because my head was over the line. <laughs> but if I went back, my linebackers would yell at me because they would step on my feet. I was like, oh I'm, I'm just trying to hurt just people, guys. To, gotta be like, offsides one way or the like, other. Come on, guys. Come gotta on, go guys. watch one of those replays. <laughs> yeah. but we digress there's all sorts of ways to be creative in life see yeah yeah that was always the weird part is in in like high school and even growing up i whatever this can sound debbie downer but whatever group i was in i was always treated like i wasn't in that group like the football players treated me like a nerd because i was in the college prep classes uh-huh the only people who, so also Fulton, my high school was two thirds. I grew up in the black neighborhood and I grew Fulton was two thirds black when I went there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was. I was used to being the only white guy in the room. And yeah. the, the, the people who accepted me were the art school girls. I'm going to use the term yeah. girls because yeah. we were, and, and black people <laughs> like those, that was the only people who just said like, no, nah, that's just big Jody. Like yeah. everybody else was like, ah, oh, you're a nerd. I was like, I also just picked you up and flipped you over, dude. Like, come on. And the nerds were like, oh, you're a dumb jock. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so, so weird. Isn't but, it nice to my, I have a 13 year old and I keep telling him, honestly, it gets better. It does. You find your people yeah. right now. It's tricky, but you do find your people. What did your folks do? Like, are you, were you always into art as a kid? Did they kind of embrace you know, that? And my, that? They did. My dad um, was uh, he was a pilot, which in, which was an alternative career in itself, but also a thespian. He always sang, always, 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 always was okay. singing and performing when he was home. And then my mom um, was a stay at home mom, but um, an interior designer and a painter. And, you know, so we and we were always encouraged. You know, my okay. grandmother was whenever she had visit, she was doing needlepoint, you know, just always around creative creative upbringing. And, and we okay. heard that we, that was a possibility for us. Although my parents, my dad didn't want me to go to what, get a well-rounded education instead of an art school, which was what I was voting for. But then I got the football. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You got the How football. about you. Where'd this creativity come from? Uh, no idea. I, I am the only artist still in my family. Parents were pretty poor. Mom worked for the phone company. Dad was a truck driver and we, once a year, uh, once a year, we got to go on vacation and we went to Myrtle beach nice. because a group of like 20 families would get together and get a really good deal on a hotel and we would get to go. That was the only vacation we had essentially. And, uh, but when I was young, I was the only kid there. So my dad and uncles and uncles air quotes sure, sure. would take me bar hopping with them. Oh. So I'd be sitting there drinking my little Shirley Temples because it had a little sword. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I would collect those swords, those in yep. virgin pina coladas. So I was five or six years old sitting at a bar nice. with my dad oh my and uncles. Because what else was, how else were they yeah. going to do it? Yeah. And the, so I'll circle it back to creativity. So I was AI communications director for AIGA Knoxville for two years and then president of AIGA. Aaron I saw Knoxville that. That's for, awesome. For four years. And a big thing, I always got fussed at by the national chapter because I kept fighting. Mm. For, I was like, guys, wealth inequality and racism is still a huge thing. 
I know you're fighting for X, mm-hmm. but you want to like, say this. Yeah. And, and I would fight and argue. And I was like, I get that I'm the white dude, mm-hmm. but I'm also in here and I am right. the only person who come from poverty person mm-hmm. who came from poverty in here mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. guys and it's so like wealth inequality has always been a big thing for me mm-hmm. but when i see it in like design and art like i've got during the pandemic there's a group of five to six guys that we meet every wednesday night and i just chuckle at them because they're all dudes who grew up rich and they're like mm-hmm. oh just just pay two thousand dollars and do this it's like mm-hmm. you're you're adorable guy and a few of them, I, I have looked at them and said, I cannot be the blackest person, you know, right. <laughs> like right. that is painful to me because they would ask me questions. I was like, you get that I'm white. And they're like, yeah, but you went to Fulton. I was like, Fuck, uh, uh. oh yeah. Let's broaden this circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I, that's when I just think it's hilarious. I'm yeah. like, y'all are idiots on a level and I love them to death. Sure. But I I've had this discussion with friends of mine who are LGBTQ plus and saying it's all weird and there's a lot of people very uncomfortable talking about it and mm-hmm. if i can be the person that you feel comfortable talking about something with yeah that's fine that's fine that's yeah. one step closer my friend uh, katie i had her on the podcast and i was like you got to understand like people like my parents lgbt was lgbt for like this long mm-hmm. for a very long time and then mm-hmm. everything has changed really quick Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the biggest concern I have is if my mom says the wrong thing, she gets jumped on, but her heart is in the right place. Yeah. I could say the same for sure yeah, to where it's one of those things. I was like, so when it comes to like my friends and them asking me questions and stuff, I was like, first off, you're an idiot. Second, off, right. <laughs> let me explain to you <laughs> how it is. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I would like to have, and I, and I, I've had a great comment, but a review by somebody that said, you know, I wish you'd talk about, you know, you had more guests on to talk about the inequalities in the ability to get these jobs, the ability to get this similarity in pay and just the ability to be seen. And I couldn't agree more that that I want to have more and more of those those conversations because we're all I say we're all in this together, but every voice needs to be heard. Well, I noticed when I was, this is going to sound braggy and I don't mean it to be that I'm a man, I'm a Southern man and I'm a Collins man, which is a level of stubbornness that is so (laughs) deep, but it's when it came to like AIGA, I was like, it, I started looking at numbers. I was like, I think in the field of graphic design, it is now like a way more women than men Mm. for whatever Mm. reason. Like when I go to portfolio reviews and stuff, I'm noticing it's like 80, 20. I was like, so the future is female. So my board was me and one other dude and the rest were women. I was like, no, this is representative. Mm -hmm. So this is how it should be. But I don't say that to put on airs. I say that as the stubborn person being like, no, that's the way it is. That's so great. We need more of you. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Trust me. There's plenty. Uh, And that's the big thing about going and talking to the kids. It's like, hey, I know, I know you're, you don't see a way to do this. Cause like right, your dad's a mechanic thing. and mm-hmm. all this. And, uh, it's, it's, a uh, having the hard conversations has led to a lot of hurt feelings to where as a big dude, I felt mm-hmm. like I've had to stay very quiet and stay very calm. I was like, cause you're going to say I'm angry and I'm not angry. Well, I am angry, but I'm right. I, I'm not lashing out. It's just, no, don't make me hand you my card. So how did you, 
as that student minority student in a rough place who, and often the hardest thing to be in a position like that is different, creative, somebody who draws, somebody who, you know, talks about color, that sort of thing. Was it those teachers, the print, the print teacher and the art teacher that helped with that? Like what, you know, what, what happened? It was that I wanted to work in computers. And Uh so my only opportunity was working on a Mac 2CI, Uh you know, on the one color 2CI in the print shop and then getting to learn like printing. Like my first year I worked in the computer. The second year I worked in pre-press. Third year I worked in bindery. Fourth year I was teaching the class and running the presses. Wow. To where, and we had real clients. That was the other weird part. Oh, the high school did. Yeah. My high school had a pre, had a vocational one of the best vocational cool. departments because it had upholstery, woodworking, auto mechanics, electrical, oh, I love that. drafting, TV production, radio, because we were a poor school. So mm-hmm. it was known those kids needed jobs I love that. afterwards and not going to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we had real clients. I love telling kids this story. One of our biggest clients when I was in high school was a pager company called Volcom. So when I see the kids with the Volcom shirts on, I'm like, Hey, that's a pager company that I used to be worked for. Used to be. Used yeah. To you've be. worked to some, for some interesting companies that many people might, you know, have. have yeah. Seen. And I was going to say, I had a weird thing happen because I had all that experience when I got out of high school and Mr. Miracle made some calls, uh-huh. you know, if we're talking privilege and luck, like there were some opportunities I got like. I was going to run a press for three months at a print shop on, on our main street gate Our main street, main street is called gay street. Nice. And we are like in the top three biggest pride parades in the country. Really? This is Knoxville? all a call. This is all a calling card for Knoxville. Just don't move oh. here. Please don't move. <laughs> Please come to visit. That's awesome. And, uh, the press guy was retiring. The graphic designer was going into the Navy and they were like, well, you can work on the press for three months. And then you'll move over. And once I accepted it, the press guy did not want to retire. And the woman uh, decided not to go into the Navy. It's like, mother. <laughs> so I got that. Uh, there was a, uh, a place called goodies, which was clothing manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I was going to run their post press. And it went to that guy's boss's boss. Cause I was going to college and they're like, Nope, he has to work eight to five every day. He can't work three tens and a oh, no. or three twelves and a six. So he can't have that job. Oh, and no. then the last one, which is the funniest, there was a manufacturing company and I was 17 years old when I graduated. This is still the funniest one. It was in another city neighboring Knoxville. I didn't know where it was at. And my dad was off of work. So he drove me there. Nice. I walk in, show him my portfolio. And they were like, oh, okay, so you will be the head of our PR design and marketing uh, department. <laughs> and you're going to travel to Europe uh, like every three months and give press conferences and all this. And I was like, I, I'm 17. <laughs> I can't check into a hotel. <laughs> I was like, and when I got older, I was like, what were they thinking? I was like, oh, yeah. Also, I was 6'6", 330 pounds. Well, yeah. I look like a man. So, yes. So, what they say to that? Oh. Oh, they were just like, oh. Well, you know, we, and I had to turn it down. I was oh. like, 
because I wanted to go to college. And yeah. they didn't, they're like, no, you would have to work. I was like, oh gosh, I feel like this is going to fizzle and I need a degree, man. I, yeah. I can't. Yeah. This, the, yeah. There's got to be something to back this up. Yeah. So after that, you know, a very prominent company I worked for was Taco Bell making mm -hmm. tacos. <laughs> That's how I put myself <laughs> through college. Kevin Lair. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, that thing working at Taco Bell really taught me how to work mm. on a team, yep. how to work together and how to work fast and efficiently. Yep. Like there's still a lot things to be said that, for that. There's still things I do to this day because I worked at Taco Bell for two years. Yeah. And fast I worked food efficiency, worked at a uh, digital printing company. Nobody's going to know that one. Consolidated products, imaging solutions. I worked for a real estate publication called home tour mm -hmm. where I was our director there. And then Went to work at a print shop as an art director and pre-press manager for five years, Burns Mine and Printing. That was an interesting one because a third of our clients were nonprofits. So I got to learn how to do stuff and I got opportunities to do work I wouldn't normally get to do because they didn't have budgets to hire agencies. Mm, oh, that's always good. I mean, I think yeah. jumping around a bit, the little jobs or the jobs where it's a small company and they and you have to learn right. multi faceted aspects of it. Those are always great because there you go. There you have that experience you might not have otherwise. It helps us grow into what we want to be. I think those right. those experiences. What prompted you to say, okay, I, I'm ready to do, go it on my own, have my own agency? I got very lucky in that the last job I had, the boss's boss felt like everybody was going to run away. Once we got bought out by Gannett, oh, sure. so she got us all severance packages to where if we got laid off before like two years past the sale date, we would get like 40% of our annual salary. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, now's the time to do this. And yeah. if I run out of money, then I'll get a job, <laughs> then I'll get a job. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I got lucky just, I've done no outbound marketing. It's all been wow. referrals and just recommendations. It's interesting looking, you know, people you follow and stuff and seeing people who specialize in like one thing, one look. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mock Draplin. I know right, him. Right. I love him. I've known him for 12 years, I think. But he has his style. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are like, well, you need to figure out a style. And I was like, no, my, my adaptability is what makes me different than everybody else. You and know, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think my my mom and I, I remember her as an interior designer saying, I want to go into that person's home, get the feel for who they are. And then the design I do for them, when their friends come over, they'll say, oh, this feels just like you. Instead of being right. that designer who you say, oh, so-and-so obviously did your home. And yeah. I think the same can be said for, you know, an agency where you are listening to that, the needs of that client. And right. yes, you're bringing your, your skill, but like I, and I'll put this in the show notes, but you had that great graphic. It was the newspaper who was, they were going to start writing about breweries and mm -hmm. And just that that really cl clean graphic you did with sort of reminiscent of a, a glass, a pint glass or whatever, and then just with the banner on it. And it what it did to me was made me look because it's clean graphic, but it, it tells you a lot very quickly. Right. And so to me, it's listening to that client. What do they need and how can you have fun with it? Right. 
Well, and it's, it's interesting because like a big part of my work is like social media and digital marketing. Yeah. And yeah. in the last, I would say month, I've done five on SEO and, and social media audits for small mm. businesses. From See, like, that's a huge thing. That probably isn't yeah. something five years ago you, you would ever even no. known to say. No. That and you were interested in. A guy who is a sign painter who uh-huh. wants to tune up his website a uh, small publishing company that does like fantasy and horror work, a guy who builds high-end furniture. And just today I shot off one to a portrait photographer who's getting into videography and drone work. Wow. So, you know, every one of those is completely different and how fun because your job is never boring then. Right. So are you doing, what are you doing for them? What I do is I look at their footprint. I run I run their website through a few uh, SEO programs to see where what's missing and everything. But then I just look at their social and I try to figure out what they're trying to say yeah, and what they're trying to get out of what they're doing. And I just write it up. I was like, here's some improvements. I think y'all do this, this, and this. Here's things you're not doing on your website and the web crawlers are not seeing it. Mm-hmm. So you need to start doing this, this, and this. Uh, like the photographer today, probably 75% of my notes to him was you're not using Instagram efficiently and here's everything you need to do to make that work. That's like awesome. you don't, you don't have, you have your business name in the handle, but in your name, it just says your name. Mm-hmm. So the search engines don't find you. Mm-hmm. I was like, you got to change. And it was just every, I was like, I don't see drones and you're really pushing that you want drone work. You need to put drone in like all these little things. And then ideas for content, just like, yeah. You don't have any video. You need to be posting video. It's, it's all the things that. If you're going to play, you have, this is how you have to play. And I bid on a project years ago and I sat with a project manager and we whiteboarded everything Mm. for this client. And I got through and I was like, yeah. And and I started just spouting out like organic reach through these channels and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I got to the end. I literally went, I don't know how I got here. (laughs) I was like, I'm an idiot who played football, basketball, baseball through shot put a boxed. Yeah. Uh, I I'm not supposed to be here spouting organic growth. I don't know. You know, I was like, what, where am I? What is happening? <laughs> and he just <laughs> laughed at me because he was from Kentucky and he was like, uh, same, same. I'm with you. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it is, yeah. you know, we get to grow into those things that interest us. Yeah. The biggest struggle you talked about imposter syndrome earlier or maybe I heard it on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but it's the biggest struggle I have is looking at other people's work and going, that's not good. And you're not doing good by your client. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. So where I've had to start muting people Mm -hmm. and I I was like, I can't unfollow because of politics. Right, right, right. (laughs) But I think for mental health, I have that talk with a lot of my friends now. I was like, well, what do you have to do for mental health when you're creative? Yes. It's like, sometimes you just have to stop. Like you just, one of my friends, her screen printing shop, Hannah Minocchio, Snakes and Aces in Cleveland, Ohio, the ceiling was leaking and -hmm. it's a constant issue in her shop. Mm -hmm. She's like, "Uh, somebody gifted me a tattoo for my birthday. I went and got a tattoo. I said, good for you. You got the hell out of there and you're doing something that's making you happy. Good. (laughs) It's important. Your landlord figure that out, but good. You're you're not going to be as stressed. When yeah. you go in tomorrow, because it'll be fixed and you won't have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I really think the mental health part of 
of this is another thing that we certainly touch on and talk about with each other or those friends of ours, you know, friends that, yeah, that you can go there with, but it's huge. And especially the last two years and, and just being at home and, or being by yourself and just the, the huge internet surge of groups and ways to communicate and collaborate and be in community and, and just what does this look like? And, and, you know, therapists are so busy and, and our kids, you know, just all of it. And I just think the best thing to do is, is to say, it's okay to be, to acknowledge this, to acknowledge any of these ways we feel we are and talk to somebody or read about it, or just be honest with yourself. Right. Calling all creatives. This episode is brought to you by Relish Your Creativity. What is Relish Your Creativity, do you ask? It's a monthly creative community built by myself and Natalie Shepard to specifically help you imagine and bring to life a vibrant vision for your own creative future. Relish Your Creativity is curated to bring you monthly classes where we deep dive into relevant topics, a private Facebook group to connect, share, and learn together, guest speakers, live chats, and a caring community. If you're ready to confidently put your art into the world, feel more comfortable and empowered in the direction you're heading, or spend focused time on your own creative growth, Relish Your Creativity is the membership for you. To learn more, head on over to www.relishyourcreativity.com. That's R-E-L-I-S-H-Y-O-U-R-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-I-T-Y.com. And we can't wait for you to see what we have in store. There's a comedian I like, Ryan Sickler, and he's got a podcast called The Honeydew, and he was talking about, he's like, I didn't sign up to be a teacher. He's like, I barely uh, graduated high school, and now I'm having to be a teacher to my daughter. That's a struggle, and people need to know that, yes, it's okay that you're struggling with having to do yeah, that. Yeah. Because you may not be qualified. He's like, I am not qualified to, do, to teach my daughter. I need someone else to do that because I am well, not good at that. And I feel like the thing is when we, had, when we're willing to admit something, the, the help and the support come from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I had two friends last year, very early in the pa- pandemic. I texted them. I was like, how are you doing? And they were like, not good. It's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to text you every Monday and yeah. ask how you're doing. And that's, what's going to happen. I don't care if you don't want me to, I don't care. I'm right. going to do it. My friend, Hannah, still to this day, I text her earlier today. How are you doing? I was like, checking in on you helps me make sure I'm checking in on myself too. You know, a hundred percent. That's true. I mean, really it's, it's a little mirror that we're holding up at the same time. Yeah. Do you remember the first piece of art or an artist that made you kind of like stand up and take notice that made you, that clicked you in like, oh my God, what is that? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember way back. I, I remember really, yeah, we did live close enough to San Francisco that we'd go to sometimes a big, you know, exhibit would come through. And I remember the Van Gogh exhibit when I was really Hmm. little, I must've been in, well, we moved to the Nap Valley in sixth grade. So it was before that. Um, But honestly, I remember my mom's paintings because those were around and Percy Gray, my grandparents had a Percy Gray early Californian painter um, of eucalyptus trees and kind of a, you know, that California golden road. I remember that. I do remember this etching. I had a little bed in my grandparents' house upstairs and I would lay on my 
you know, I was head on the pillow and it was over my head. So I look at it upside down. It was an etching of the Peter Pan statue in Hyde Park. I remember that early on too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And that was, that's way back. But anyway, it's a mix, but there were, there were a variety of periods, you know, because my grandparents were born in early 1900s. And anyway, what about you? That's cool. I know it sounds basic and lame, but it was, I think it was MC Escher. Oh, cool. Fascinating then. First time I got into art was in middle school and my teacher was obsessed with Georgia O'Keeffe and MC Escher. Those were the two. And like when I went off to high school and Mrs. Waller, Mrs. Waller used to be the, she was a teacher at UT, University of Tennessee. And we got to go to the art and architecture building. And we went out back and she, she pointed and she was like, this is my art. And I oh, turned wow. and looked and it was just three rolling hills. Oh, interesting. And I was like, that's, that's grass, Miss Waller. She's like, no, we did the three hills, my husband and I. And I was like, you are high. What are you talking about? That's not art. What are you talking? But she totally was like, like we would do screen printing and Toglio, like everything in high, like, cause she came from cool. the university of Tennessee. Yeah. She's like, we're going to do everything. And I wasn't her. I wasn't a good artist. I'm still not a good hand illustration artist, but she was always like, no, you come here and you try. So I love that. Yeah, she I was very that. encouraging. So what a so yeah, who was the first art teacher that you remember that made a difference? I, it was that guy in middle school, and I can't remember his name, okay. but I think it was because my best friend Anthony was unbelievable. Like he, were you into comic books? Oh yeah, at oh all? yeah. He could draw like Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane when when they were still wow. drawing from Marvel. Yeah, like he was such a good illustrator that he didn't. He could look at it and just draw it exactly how it was. Oh, so, yeah. so I just hung out with him and I was yeah, like, I'm going to cool. draw my stick figures over here, Anthony, but you keep on doing what you do, man. So and cool. uh, I think being around him really helped. And then Mrs. Waller, like my favorite artists were Norman Rockwell, the basic ones, Norman Rockwell and MC Escher. Good ones. And, but the third one, Miss Waller exposed me to Piet Modrian. Oh, nice, Mrs. Waller. But she would always go, Pant Muldrian. That's how she <laughs> pronounced his name. So I went in that run where I was getting getting all these opportunities when I was in at, right after high school. I went to this t-shirt screen printing shop and they had the cool oh, application yeah. where the last thing was like, name your top three artists. And I was like, Norman Rockwell, MC Escher, Pat Muldrian. Nice. And as I was walking out the door, the guy went, wait, 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 come here. I was like, what? And he was like, Piet Motrian? I was like, yeah. How? <laughs> like, it fried his brain. He was like, I don't understand. And he was like, can you illustrate? I was like, no. He was like, okay, then this job's probably not for you. I was like, thanks. He's like, Piet Motrian, man. I don't understand. <laughs> like, it freaked him out. He did not understand. He probably uh, was like, wait, I want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at this big defensive lineman that just had to bow to come And knows the how door. to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's who Piet Modrian is. Yeah. Yeah. It was them. And uh, I think working with like fonts on the computer mm-hmm, was such mm-hmm. a game changer for me to where I would do different things and, you know, yeah, uh, flip them upside down. And, Facially they, were still, and... they were still blocks back right. then, like right. the little eight bit things. But I think it was that. And I think it's my parents did not understand what I did. They still don't really understand what I did. There was one point. God love my mom. She is 
your sweet Southern mom, but she is cutting as all hell. <laughs> there was one point when I worked at PetSafe, I was like, you know, I'm like really good at what I do. And she's like, oh, that's funny, honey. It's like, damn it, mom. <laughs> oh, mom. <laughs> she was like, I was like, I'm really good. Like I did this, this, and this. She was like, that's good, sweetie. Good for you, sweetie. I don't really understand it, but I'm glad you're glad. So if you were going to spend a perfect creative day, inspiring creative day for yourself, what would that look like? Uh, it would start out because of where I live. It would start out with a hike in the morning, mm. early morning, get to see a sunrise, come home. It would probably be having coffee with somebody to just keep that kind of positive energy going. Uh, and then literally just coming home and working. Like I work right here out of, this is my office. Nice. Uh, and yeah, just sitting here and kind of zoning out. I've got a record player over here. I spend vinyl and just work. And I enjoy, I, during the pandemic, I got into a bad habit of working on my laptop on my couch. And after mm -hmm. like six months of that, I was like, I have to stop that. There's no line of delineation. I right. wake up, I come in here, I work. Yeah. And then I go to bed. I was like, yeah. this is not good. So I like completely rearranged my office put in the record player i was like no this is now yeah i hate to say sacred ground but this is this is where the work happens that's good you I, have to take care of your your limitations and your yeah boundaries. how about for you what is your perfect creative day oh, a good creative day <laughs> good creative day would actually be getting in getting my hands into it i spend so much time on the computer and i i spend so much time looking at other people's <laughs> creativity which i absolutely love that's it, it it sidetracks me. So a good right. creative day would be to be in my studio for hours and be able have enough time to lose myself in in a project and have completed some things at the end of the day. It just feels okay. so good, so good to do that. And it's and I'm I'm a multifaceted. You know, I I like to paint and I'm a silversmith and I do some. Um, I've just started doing some beading. I, you know, a knitting project would be a great thing to actually finish from time to time, but, but really it's that silversmithing. It's just gives me such a charge. Do you, do you feel weird if you get to the end of the day and you haven't completed something or do you like, <laughs> no, this is at an end point that I am comfortable with. And now I, I've done my work. I'm ready for bed. If I felt weird, it would be, I mean, I, I, I am a non-completer. I mean, I yeah. just have like, I can't feel weird because I just have to say, okay, for those of you who see me online late sometimes or early, depending on where you're listening, I, sometimes I just don't get going until 11 o'clock at night, you know, and Same. that's when I have my time where nobody else is expecting an answer. No, I just go, but I, it, it's okay. If it's not complete. That's some of my favorite thing is doing emails at night, uh -huh. you know, cause the big thing, you know, in the military, the big thing is that you get out of bed and the first thing you do is you make your day, you make your bed because mm -hmm. that's your first win of the day. Mm -hmm. And I've got friends that are like, Oh, I get up at 6am. And the first thing I do is I look at email and I get those done. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I love firing off five emails at 1215 at night. And then being like, got it done. done. I'm going to bed. Like me too. I that's, love that, that feels like a wrap up to me. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. I do make my bed first thing though. So I have listened to a lot of the podcast. I've, I've been trying to, I, I, I don't know if it, I don't, you, maybe you can explain this to me. It's not procrastination. It's anything I do. 
it's always harder than it should be or it breaks mm. <laughs> when it comes to like like i there's this long tail of the sink in my bathroom and how many <laughs> handles i've broken and and it's just sitting there and it doesn't work and i'm gonna have to rip the whole thing out and put in a new pedestal and i know how to do all that stuff and that's not a brag it's like but every time i look at it i was like not today not today because yeah. yeah. this is going to take like that this is going to take longer than it should so i feel like that even in my creative world there are a lot of that mm-hmm. like the thing i got done today i was like i need like three hours to sit down and focus on all that do all that photographer's social media mm-hmm. I, and and it's uh it's probably i should have got it done like a week ago but he was it, like oh i don't care and i was like thank god you don't care yeah it, it takes that i think for anything if you're if you're working on a big project or you know you have to illustrate this certain thing or you have to paint that or you have to research this or give somebody a proposal and understand their work before you do it you need that block of time and we and, and that might not come. Okay. I'm going to schedule that at 10 o'clock tomorrow. It just doesn't really work that right. way for me, at least. I'm curious how you feel like traveling affects your art. Cause you've gotten to travel so much. Like I heard the story about you going to China and all that. So how do you feel like that has affected? That's your a art? great question. I definitely feel like traveling. I hope it's given me fewer barriers, brought barriers down because I just appreciate, I appreciate art from all over. I appreciate, I, and I, I really think about it in terms of color, maybe even more like mm-hmm. I'll think about the color of the sky in Shenzhen on a rainy day. Like that's a different color than the color mm-hmm. here or, you know, and I'm focusing on China, but I have been lucky to travel to a lot of places, but traveling to a city in inland China that's been making ceramics and porcelain for 2000 years is way different than your art teacher. That's somebody that's just, it's just different. It's so refined. And, and I, you know, museums and overseas, and I loved early on, again, my dad was a pilot, so I would make myself go places by myself. I arranged, and some of you have heard this before, but I've ar- I arranged my studios, uh, my senior year, year in um, college to Tuesdays and Thursdays. I would go and I always felt like crafts, arts, but seriously crafts in England were so much more respected because, you know, when you think of crafts in the 80s, 70s, it was it was very helping hands at home and not high end or, or admired. And I'd go to England and I'd spend just hours in the craft council looking through slide. They had slide drawers and, you know, just thinking, oh my gosh, I am so in tune with this beautiful pottery that I'm looking at, or these silk screens or these block Mm -hmm. prints or these, the way they make jewelry, it just felt so advanced to me. And so, so much more like somebody was thinking about it. it felt so artful. So I remember um, that really changed the way uh, the way I saw things for sure. Cause I just would walk myself somewhere or store windows, you know, mm-hmm. so many things that was a long answer, but no, that's great. Like it's, I think it's also, this is the simplest answer. Ever. It's also getting outside of your comfort zone. For like sure. One of the times I was in San Francisco I went and saw a play. Do you know Cormac McCarthy? Yes. I assume everybody. Yeah. So you know he's from or lived in Knoxville. And I his don't book, think I knew that. Such his book Sutri is about Knoxville. And um, but I was in San Francisco one time and I put, 
picked up the alt weekly and uh they were doing a play in this tiny black box theater that was like two levels up of the sunset limited which i had read the book of mm. and i was like oh i've got to go to that yeah. so i went and bought my ticket and then i went that night and it was there was room for maybe 50 people in that theater it was tiny and i'm sitting next to like a group of five grandmothers and they sit right next to me and one of them looks at me and says hello and i say hello and she was like because uh, i was by myself she was like what brings you here and i was like <laughs> oh well the guy who wrote this is from my city and she was like what what and i was like yeah she was like well that's weird you're here do you live here i was like no i'm just traveling she was like that's weird you're here and his place playing i was like that's yeah. why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Like it's, it's a weird, but it's sometimes I think here in my city, I might be too bogged down to think, right. oh, I should go do that. Whereas when I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things about traveling is we allow ourselves. We, you know, growing up in the Napa Valley, people are like, oh, you must go wine tasting. No, I don't go wine tasting. Like I, only if a tourist, I mean, a friend comes if I'm playing tourist, but right. I think that's the same, whether at museums, we have to stop and remind ourselves when I was, um, I worked in London, I was a waitress in London a long time ago. And, and again, it, I was, that was the salary I was making. So I'd go to Leicester square after work and see what tickets were cheap. And then you could pay like $2 to stand in the back of a theater. So as often as hmm. I could, I would go watch right. something. Whereas normally that would be a big deal. We're going, we're getting dressed up. And I just would seize that opportunity. I got one for you. So <laughs> two big regrets. The first time I went to New York, cause I didn't, again, I didn't grow up going anywhere. The first trip I took as an adult on my own was to drive over to Asheville, nice. like in the early two thousands. That's a city that how it has changed. Oh, is it's nuts. Cause back then it was an art town. Yes. That there was no industry because I was looking. I was like, maybe I need to move to Asheville. I was like, there's not enough industry here for, for me. I to was have. there then. I mean, visiting there then. And but now it's like a tech city. There's mm -hmm. like co-op working spaces and all this really? big tech there. And I'm like, because it's all like the it's beer, all the beer. antiques. Oh, okay. All the beer. Like there's like forty or fifty breweries there now. Like that's that's what's drawn everybody there. But like uh, the first time I went to New York. I had friends that were like, now don't take your camera because it'll get stolen. This is like 2007. <laughs> I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, who's going to, who's going to steal from me? But the first time I went up there, I had two opportunities that I did not make enough money to do these two things. One of them you're going to love because you, because of football. One of them was to see Neil Young doing a solo acoustic show in like the Bowery ballroom or something. It's some uh -huh, tiny yeah. venue. Yeah. Where I, but I, the only tickets were standing room only. And it was like $80 oh. to stand in the back. I was like, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. Plus I'm going to have to give up an entire night. I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that. I regret oh. that. Now, yeah. the second yeah. thing was I was there when the Heisman trophy award was give, being given away and I could have gone to it. Oh, that would have been fascinating. What but year I was that? Had to, this was 2007, okay. but I would have had to pack a suit and I was like, <laughs> My suit's from high school, and I went from being 3.30 to, like, at the time, Standing up for $80, pack a suit, neither of those things are going to happen. Uh, and I'm trying to think, like, to go to it, it was not that expensive. And I was like, what? Who, why has no one told me you can go to the Heisman Awards ceremony? That's, like, that's that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that is, those are two things. I'm like, man, I wish I would have gone. 
yeah. then I had so many other weird experiences while I was up there. I was like, nah, it's like, they're disappointing, but I chose. Oh gosh. Things. But see, that's the thing. You're like, I could have done these things, but look at all these things that weren't yeah. on my list that yeah. I discovered because I was open to it. Yeah. That it's, to me is, is what life should be about. Yeah. What led you to doing the podcast? So I thought about it for years before I did it. And a lot of it was, it started in the pandemic and I just wanted, I've for a long time wanted a way. I'm a connector. I'm a connector of people. It's just something I love to do. And I love uh, to get, to help artists understand they can get further than they thought they could. Um, Mm -hmm. So one way to do that is just having conversations with people. And I get so many people saying, oh, I saw myself in that. And that, that just gave my, made me keep, keep going or made me think differently about where I am or whatever that the case may be. But also I think to kind of put myself out there again in, in a different way and hopefully mm-hmm. seem approachable to people, it, you know, it's, sometimes it's harder now to get people to come on because they'll say, Oh, I'm so nervous. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's just a conversation between two friends. That's all. It might not make <laughs> any sense to anybody else listening. You're having the exact same. So I have, yeah, because you have a podcast. I have a podcast, Ramblin' Man. I've got another one that I have 40 episodes recorded that I haven't released yet, too. Oh, my goodness. Get going. Big, big Man, Big Fan. And it's about nice. movies. Nice. And, but, but I also have a weekly radio show on Raucous Radio called Porch Sitting. And every time I have people on Porch Sitting and Ramblin' Man, they're like, I'm just so nervous. I have to get drunk before. I, I was like, it's me. <laughs> You and I would have these conversations on a porch if it was just the two of us, you dumbass. Like, yeah, but it's being yeah. recorded. It's it's for posterity. I was like, nobody cares. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like the last friend I had over, she's just gotten into acting. Nice. And so we talked about her and she's like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I was like, it's me. Yeah. It'll be fine. And if we get done and you're like, no, I felt stupid. I'll delete it. Exactly. I don't care. I do the, not care. I think the other great thing too, is it gives me an excuse, a reason, uh, you know, it's acceptable to sit down and have these kind of conversations when as humans, we rarely do that anymore. We're like, how are you? Oh, got to run. And, and I, I really love the ability or the reason to say, what do you think about this? So let's pretend you're talking to the school or any school. What are, give me your three top things to think about if you're if you're wanting to make your mark for a kid or for anybody anybody uh three things i'm gonna i always have to go to the first one i'll have to quote a great poet poet laureate of our time rocky balboa (laughs) when i say keep moving forward yes there's a great speech in his film in the 2000 i think six rocky balboa where he's talking to his son and he's, and he, and I can almost say the entire speech right here, but I will not do that. But he's like, nothing is going to hit you as hard as life, but you can't give up. You have to keep moving forward. Love it. And that has been my mantra for, especially the last two years, but probably the last five years, especially. It's so important, like, especially moving forward. It's like, you're, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get beat up, but you got to get back up. You got to just keep moving forward. Good so one. that's one, that's a big one for me. I love it. Second one would probably be never stop learning. Mm. Like that was a big thing for me. Like we were talking about, you know, the social media thing earlier. Mm-hmm. I started learning design when I was 19 in 1992, when I was 13 years old. Yeah. So 
when I, because I was in the print shop, I would get to learn other facets. It's like, oh, I'm on a certain level in design. So I just kept that up. And it was like, okay, I'm good at design. Let me learn marketing. And I learned marketing, you know, and it just kept going until like I, before it was called SEO, I knew mm-hmm. what SEO was from building websites in the mid 2000s. Yeah. And then I had to bid on a project and I had to like reacclimate myself with SEO. And I sat there for an entire day reading everything I could. And it was almost like Neo in the matrix at the end. I was like, I know yeah. SEO. Yeah. Like it was like, that's all it took. And it, it was like, don't be, there are times where you can be bored, but don't be bored. Don't be snobby about things. Like, don't be, you know, that goes in with the always keep learning. Cause I got right. too many friends. They're like, I don't want to do that. I was like, cool. Enjoy your life. I'm going to go do this and have an experience. Yeah. Uh, third thing, figure out a way, no matter how, how you do it to travel. If you got to go work at Taco Bell for three months to save up money to travel, do it. Yeah. Like you have to get the hell out of your city. You have like, to change your perspective. The, the kids, when I go and talk at Fulton, like our downtown yeah. area, there's an area called Market Square. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids that live in the projects, I was talking to them. I was like, oh, yeah, and this place on Market Square. And they're like, I've never been to Market Square. I'm like, that is literally three miles away from you. But you yeah. can't go because you can't afford to go. And right. I get it. Right. I was like, just go there. Just yeah. get, ask your parents if you can just go walk around downtown. That's cool. It's like, that's step one. You have to get away. You have to get away. It really makes all the difference. And I think having a perspective that your, your world is not the only is right. so stinking important. So <laughs> I can either ask you that, or I have another question, which is what is next for you? Do you know what's next for you? I mean, are there goals you have like with the podcast or with your art where you're like, this is where I want to be? You know, there's a lot going on. I think what's next is, is a broader platform to help people, help artists. The, the goal of a lot of the people that I work with is I want to get my work into the world. I want to get my art on product. I want to license or I want to see my art out into the world. I want to make a living doing this. So if I can find a few more ways, whether it's teaching or licensing or, you know, whatever it is to, to help that happen for people, um, that would feel really good to me. And, okay, and I so. have some, some things in place for that. And then if I could actually finish a project in my studio, <laughs> that would be great too. <laughs> so shoot. Goals. I- I thought of another, do you have a dream guest or do you have dream guests? A dream guest. Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. You know, and my sister, if she's listening, will be like, just ask her. I think Morgan, okay. I'd love to have Morgan Harper Nichols on. I'd love to have, I haven't thought about this in a while because I have so many people that I, that I'd love to have on. You know, I, I feel super fortunate that a lot of people's dream guests, I get to call friends like Lisa mm-hmm. and people like Amy Butler and, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, the people that, that I have had on, but, um, stretch goals would be, you know, Adele or, you know, a, a musician or, a you know, somebody where I could say, gosh, you act, tell me about that. Or you're, yeah. you're a world no- renowned musician or your paintings are everywhere. Or, you know, I wish I could re I wish I could conjure up my grandmother and have her on. Yeah, I think someone asked me that early on. They're like, 
you know, that it was a take on the old question of like, who would you have at your dinner table? Like yeah. naming three people. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's only one, my grandfather. Like yeah. I would love, cause my grandfather, yeah. uh, very quiet man, very, always looked like he was angry, man. Uh. <laughs> didn't talk. And then I got into college and he gave me one of the greatest pieces of advice that really changed my world. And I know you asked for three people to inspire me. I think I yes. put four because I was like, I can't. You did. I want to talk about that because we could <laughs> talk can't. forever. But <laughs> I'll roll into why I mentioned my grandfather. I was working at Taco Bell. I wasn't liking it. I was doing managerial work, but getting paid as an employee, which back then was $3.85 an hour. Yeah. Like yes. it was ridiculous. And then uh, I had an opportunity to go work stock shelves at Walmart. Because again, I come from a blue collar world. I have to work. Yeah. Like I ain't got, I ain't got time. I ain't got no safety net. I yeah. got to pay for school. And, uh, but it was going to be harder. Like the schedule was going to be different. And I'm sitting there talking to my grandfather and just bloviating at him at like, I think 19. I never did that. And uh, he sat there and listened to me. He was like, uh, are you happy? Uh-uh. I said, no. And he was like, just quit. Life's too short to be unhappy. Huh. And then he, he died within two weeks of that. Oh my gosh, really? Massive heart attack died. Oh, wow. So just as I was feeling more comfortable being Asking able to talk him to him, like that. yeah, <gasps> oh, he died. And, I, and same thing. I have a, my dad's younger brother, my uncle doc, he and I, we've always been close. My uncle's doc and Tom. So there's a funny story. My uncle is Uncle Tom, and his name is also Tom Collins. Oh, gosh, great. <laughs> so, uh, but they were almost like surrogate dads. And uh, my uncle Doc passed away when he was like 54 or something. And it was just like the minute he died, I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. So I need yeah. to do as much as I humanly possibly can because mm-hmm. I'm going to die and I don't want to. Yeah, you're always going to have regrets, but it's like, I don't, I've got friends that they save X amount of money and they, when they go out of town, they eat at Applebee's because they know it's going to be safe and all this crap. I'm like, enjoy dying and just being like, I could have lived. I was like, no, you got to live while you're here, man. I ain't got that kind of time, man. (laughs) I'm on borrowed time. I got to live, man. So yeah, that, so that's true. why I had to put my grandfather down. I can't, I, I know who I put one of them down, but I can't remember how I put the other two. Your, your, I, your people that are inspiring you? I know one of them was Kevin Smith because I can't yeah. go an hour without talking about Kevin Smith. I love that. If Kevin Smith and Magic Johnson are the two that if I ever met them, I'm just going to walk up to him and say, hey man, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to cry. Aww. And that's what's going to happen. And, and I think Magic Johnson would be like, come on in. I think Kevin Smith would be like, security. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, Kevin Smith has this great speech from one of his talking shows about life as an artist. Mm-hmm. And he was like, find the why not people. Screw the uh, why people. Find the why not Okay, people. there's a good one. Yeah. He was like, uh, he was like, don't surround yourself with people going, why? Why would you do that? Find the people that are like, why not? Yeah. And I was like, damn it. Yes. Yes. That's I couldn't agree more with that. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. He's, he's an inspiration for sure. Yeah. And then he's just kind of, 
he calls it chasing whimsy. And I love that phrase, chasing that's a, whimsy. That's a, I mean, yeah. that yeah, needs to be illustrated right now. Yeah. So I knew I said Kevin Smith and my grandfather. I can't remember how. You said Killer Mike. Killer Mike. So Killer Mike, I, I knew who he was from Outcast because I grew up listening to when I got out, when I didn't have practice, I was watching Rap City and Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. in high school. That's what I watched. Killer Mike, I knew because I loved Outcast and uh, just what he's done with his fame. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's, a very cool guy. It's almost like what I was saying about my uncle is like, he's like, no, now is my moment. I'm going to do everything. And he puts himself out there. Yes. And he says a lot of things that a lot of people have problems with. And he was like, no, this is why. And, you know, talking about uh, uh, black owned businesses and stuff before 2020, before yeah. a lot of white people yeah. discovered racism was a thing. Right. He was promoting black owned businesses. He's got a great YouTube video from Adult Swim called Life, Life Advice. And it's, it's great. It's like a minute and a half, but yeah, Killer Mike is one that it's, I think what he's done with his platform is, is unprecedented, not unprecedented, but it's, you would have a hard time finding many people that does do the same thing. Yeah. As richly, uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot to look at and he, yeah, he's an inspiration. He would be a dream guest for me, but I would feel dumb because he is smart on a level that is uncomfortable. Okay. But think if he felt that way with all the people that he interviews, cause he yeah, has some names on there. So I D double dare you to go f- ask. So I am one step away from killer Mike. Okay. Uh, good. There's an artist named studio. One of those guys by... you smoke cigar with. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a guy in Atlanta that goes by studio temporary and okay. he has done work for killer Mike. Okay. And I was like, I think I might, I was like, but I honestly probably wouldn't go through him. I'd just probably DM just be him. like, Hey, killer Mike, I would love to have you on. That's when I got to have in person. So I will say the cigar thing, my buddy, Jason, and I have been wanting to do the cigar project forever. And he was like, who are your, one of them is a podcast and where you sit down and smoke cigars with somebody and you have a conversation. Nice. And, and I said, my dream guest will be Sylvester Stallone. Oh. I was like, I know he has a lot of problems, but that man has like. It'd be an interesting conversation. Yes. Plus you could yes. quote, you could quote him. <laughs> because I think he's also, I think Schwarzenegger, it, it would be the same thing over and over. I think yeah. Sylvester Stallone is actually a very smart man and a very artistic and uh, em- empathetic man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And right. now who was the fourth? Who was the. Katie Porter. Katie Porter. So. Okay, I'm six seven. I get a I get an extra because I'm more than one human. That's right, you do. You get four. <laughs> so Katie Porter. Now this is something troublesome to say. Do you know Katie Porter? I know. Oh who yeah, she she's is. in California. Yeah, she's Orange the rep in California. She is unbelievable and amazing and ballsy, and and uh, everything everything I admire in someone who is in politics because mm-hmm. she's doing it for the right reason. And she's not taking any guff. And Hopefully she like, she's she's the turtle in the hair. She's the tortoise yeah. in the hair and she's the tortoise making it happen. And I see a lot more people getting credit and stuff. But I was like, I'm telling you, Katie Porter, out of everybody that is there, Katie Porter is the one that I care about the most. And oh, I want so cool. I care about her success. Like I'm I'm almost like bought in. It's like yeah. a lot of other people do surface level crap. And she no, she is like, I'm a single mom. I'm here to make a difference. I'm That's like, awesome. 
damn it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even live out there. And I want, I want to, you got my respect. That's cool that you're paying attention. Everything. That means yeah. you're paying attention to what people are saying. And I'll try to tell this short. So my dad, even though he's a truck driver, they were trying to build an apartment complex next to our house. That would have been like 1800 people in nine acres, like an insane and oh, one wow. little row. So this was 1990 and he was like, Nope. And he got involved with his neighborhood organization and he has been president of his neighborhood organization since like 1991. And back then he was like, those people in Washington don't give a damn about us. Local politics is where that. So I was writing his speeches when I was in middle school because mm. he was like, you're taking English, figure <laughs> out what I need to say. And wow. I would write his speeches for him. I went to city council, MPC, huh. wow. county commission, all those and have been since I was 11 or 12. That's with cool. him so when it comes to politics i am a giant nerd that's very and, cool yeah but katie porter katie porter is a dream guest katie porter is one that like i i can't i don't know what to say because i i you're, you're she the, would say yes in a heartbeat i know because yeah. because somebody who cares like that yeah. and and but, might be a few other people might be listening to outside orange county you know yeah but her her and killer mike i'd want to do in person I'd be yeah. like, I have to do it in person, man. I got to meet you. Like, I give you a hug, man. <laughs> right. Gotta, uh, respectfully. I well, there, you then you, that fits travel in because you can yeah, fit your travel in. in. Yeah. yeah. Those are good goals. Okay. Well, I just, I love hanging out with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. having me on and thank you for being on mine. And uh, this was great. I like listening to podcasts. I think you're a, you're a positive light sometimes Aww. on dark days where Aww. I hear and you're so happy and encouraging to the artists you have on thank it's you. very very helpful thank you well it, some, some some days i gotta throw on mare and just be like nah i gotta be angry today <laughs> <laughs> you can do that if you yeah i i it is, it's just how i just how yeah. i am it is so i appreciate that well thank you so much and it's very nice meeting thank you, you so much you yeah. too i'm always up for a good conversation so anytime yeah. thanks jody take Bye. care that's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.